Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We didn't have a set price until after. There was no price. After he just what? said, I'm going to take care of it. After the move. Why would you do that? What if he said 3000 Why wouldn't you have a set going, price for we, your move? We was going with his judgment. Are you out of your minds? What if his judgment was 3000 These are the plaintiffs, Ebony Frazier and Jerome Donnell. Jerome says the defendant ruined four of their flat-screen TVs because he didn't wrap them properly before throwing them in his truck. No matter what they do, they can't seem to get the money they're owed, so they're suing for their $6,000 they're out. This is the defendant Ahmad Harden. He says he didn't damage four TVs. In fact, he didn't even damage one TV. These plaintiffs are trying to pin the blame on him for something he didn't do. And he thinks the judge will agree. He's accused of a TV fiasco. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $3,500 for defamation and slander because they tarnished his good name on the Internet. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Frazier and Mr. Donnell, you're suing Mr. Hardin's company for $6,000 in damages that you say they did to uh, your belongings. And you hired the defendants to do your move, correct? And Ms. Uh, Frazier, how did you know of the defendant's company? Um, He actually did a move for the company that I work for. Um, so I asked him his name, he gave me his card, and then I reached out to him um, probably the end of October, um, around October 27th, I emailed him and called him to see if he can And they were going to charge you $600 for the move, and let's talk about the television sets, because it's all about the true. television sets. Yeah, he didn't, we didn't 600? have a price until, no, we didn't have a set price until after. There was no price, after he just what? said, I'm going to take care of it. After the move. Why would you do that? What if he said 3000 Why wouldn't you have a set going, price for we, your move? We was going with his judgment. Are you out of your minds? What if his judgment was 3000 I would have had to pay it. You're kidding me. No, ma'am. That's nuts. All right. So now tell me what happens. They get there and you're, you have how many TVs, according to you? We have seven TVs. I had seven TVs wrapped okay. up upstairs on the couch. How did you have them wrapped? With a blanket, with a thick blanket. He asked that we have with a what box kind of for blanket? The seven comforters. All right. And they asked if you had boxes for them, and you didn't. And so what was discussed? No. He said, well, I asked him then, is it a problem? I can move the TVs. He's like, no, nah, we'll see. 
he only asked for a box for the 70 inch because he was like, that's a big TV. Do you have a box? I'm like, who has a box after you unwrap your TV and hang it? You don't have a box. So even like, I right, don't, well, we'll and see. I keep everything. Right. <laughs> so they got to moving the furniture, moving. So so about an hour in. Now the t- the couches are moved out. The TV's on the floor. I asked him again. I said, you sure you want me to move? He said, oh, I got him. We got room. I'll take care of it. So that was two times. Who's actually said, saying that, Mr. Harden? Uh, correct. He's the one that Mr. Harden, the- let me ask you a question. Do you have a written contract for these moves? For this move? Yes, ma'am, I do. I, I, um, I use House Call Pro CRM, and it also has our terms and conditions as well. Okay, so did you send them an estimate that they approved? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I don't see that in the evidence. Can you tell me well, how... I can send it to you. Go ahead. Show it to me. This is, a, this is House Call Pro. That's okay, Ebony that's Frazier. lovely. That's the kind of thing I need, okay? Is there an ability to buy insurance or waive insurance on this service that you have there? Well, the options for insurance, uh, as according to the FMCA, with every moving company, we all have to abide by this. It's called valuation. It's, it's not actual insurance. But the basic one is 60 cents per pound per article. So basically yeah, what that means is Yeah, I need to see that she signed that because you've given me nothing to show she signed that. Show me how she signed that or her picking of the boxes and all that. Is this starting to sound familiar, Ms. Frazier, that you uh, went online? No, ma'am, not at all. Not even a little bit. Okay, so now not, let's see not if a it's little true bit. or not. Your Honor, I wish I would have known in advance. I could have said this from my computer, from my phone. There's nobody here to tell. Listen, I wish your brain cells would connect too. There's nobody who's supposed to warn you what to bring to court. You're in small claims. You're being sued over a contract, and you can't prove the contract. If you're saying to me, she can't sue for 6000 she's limited to $0.60 a pound, which is what most movers' contract is. So now I just need to see that she signed your terms and conditions. Prove that she signed it. Can you do that? I can't at the current moment, Your Honor, no. But okay, I can then that's... That, uh, okay, I, I, well, then you have your problem. Why didn't your, you, if you were there for that move, why didn't you just have him sign something in front of you? We did not feel comfortable at that move. There were, like, guns out and everything else, so we were just trying to do the best that we could no. to get her items. You get, get out of your truck, location. you get out of your truck, and then you hand the written contract before you go in and get uncomfortable because you saw his guns. I'm asking you your failure, not his failure. I'm asking you why you don't have something in writing that waives liability like this, like you are demanding that I follow, but you cannot show they approved. Okay, so everything was verbal between you guys. All right, so now your TVs are not in boxes, and they tell you we don't normally take TVs that aren't in boxes, correct? Just the 70 inch. Just the 70 inch. All right. So at the time when you're moving from your house, the move is over and here are all these these TVs. What do you say to them? I'll take them. During the move, I asked him twice, does he want me to get the TVs? He said, no, we'll get it. They packed up half the truck. And then that's when they put the TVs on in the end. Couches was moved. Everything was moved. Then mm, he OK, Mr. Harden, you tell me how they were packed in the truck and why. Because if he says he's willing to just take them, why would you even take that responsibility? Well, that's correct. I would have never taken those televisions had that had had he offered to take them like that. What he told me originally was that he would take them once I once I went to the basement and I saw the 70 inch up against the wall with one or two other televisions. I told him we don't take televisions that large without a box. He said, "Well, I'll take them. Don't worry about it." So 
the televisions were in the corner after everything had been loaded into the house. And that's when he asked me, am I taking the televisions? I told him, well, do you have any room in your vehicle? He said, well, no, not really. So I said, oh, well, if you really need me to take them, I'll take them. So the, the televisions were never wrapped. Um, once the televisions were brought out to me by the guy that was working with me, whose testimonial you also have, I wrapped them up on a panel cart. So he watched as I wrapped the televisions and then put padding around them to ensure that, because there were still mounts on some of the televisions as well, to ensure that they wouldn't damage anything. All of this was with a large glass, uh, thin kitchen tabletop, which I must mention, it was all together on the cart. And none of that, and that wasn't damaged. If anything, that would have damaged first. Well, you know, because you got to the other side, they moved wherever they moved. And when you guys were on unlo- were you still there or you weren't there on the other side? You left. No, ma'am, I left. Um, one of my guys showed right. up, he was on a morning job and he switched positions with me. So I gave him the opportunity to work and get an additional hours. All right, so he, you get a call from the, the place they're moving into, you get a call from one of your guys saying, hey, one of the TVs is broken, correct? Correct. And at that point, okay. I reached out to them and told them to send me a picture of the screen and the model numbers. The reason I said that was because what I try to offer to my clients, if something is damaged due to our negligence, is that I will repair, replace, or compensate them based upon the current value of that item. That's why I asked for the model numbers. So if we were at fault, I was going to look that television up and order another one. Okay. Well, who else could be at fault? It, it, you packed them and you put them in your truck. I was told that on the other end, the client's boyfriend was saying that he had to uh, go to work and he had to hurry up to get to work. So there were other people helping move items, and, including the bed downstairs and things like that. So that's what I'm being told. I don't know. I didn't get the opportunity to see who touched what or anything before I got the backlash online. Who learned about the TV on the day of the move and called you? Which employee? Um, The person that took my place, his name is Myron, is the one that called me. Is Myron here to testify? No, ma'am, he's not. He's at work. You get the call from Myron, and then Mm -hmm. you talk to them. And Mr. Uh, Donald, how do you notice that the... This is which one? The first television you notice that's cracked is what? The 46-inch Emerson? I believe so. I noticed it. All right. And you notice that it's cracked. How? The mover looked at it. And then I looked at it. I said, dang, it's cracked. So I chilled, let them keep going. He brought another TV in, glanced at the same TV again, then looked at this one. The, the second TV brought in. Um, within, I guess, Which the guy TV he said was that the he, second TV he brought in? The 40 inch. Which was the okay. RCA. That would be a 40-inch RCA. And yes, was that one damaged? Yes, ma'am. Did you point it out to him that there's a second one damaged? Yes, that's when he called Ahmad. That's when And so that the discussion told... was that two TVs were damaged? At that time? Yes. At that time, are you testifying under oath that you said to him that two TVs were damaged? No. At that time, we noticed the one that was cracked because the screen was cracked. We only talked about one TV. Right. And then they brought in a second one. And then I asked you Uh what was wrong with that one because you said he looked at it. And then you told me that that one was cracked. So are there two TVs that were cracked at that point in time? At that point. No, we didn't notice, just the one, because of the screen was cracked. 
When you noticed that the first TV was cracked, did you open up all of the wrappings and check out all your TVs? No. Why not? Wouldn't that make sense if you're worried about the way they packed your TVs and you see that it's cracked? Wouldn't you open up all of them to see that they're all cracked? Your Honor, when he came in and he cracked, when I seen the, the crack on the first TV, um, my, myself, I looked at the rest of the TVs. The rest of the TVs were not cracked. We didn't notice that the other TVs were damaged until the next day when we plugged them up when AT&T came to hook up our TV service. We didn't notice any of them were cracked except that first one at that time. And that's when And we yet you're telling me that the rest of them are you're telling me that how many more got cracked? A total of what? Not three. None Four got, altogether. None got cracked. That was the only one that was cracked. The other one were damaged only when you plug them up you can see the damage of when Why you are you them sending up. them pictures of a bunch of cracked TVs? I called him the, that day. I talked to him that day. We thought it was one TV. He was acting like, I'll handle it. Then we got on the payment. But he was saying, hey, I'll handle it. Let me see. He didn't say that was it. So we give him time. Like when we noticed the next day, hey, we have four TVs messed up. I mean, we're trying to get these people. I don't how know were how they messed up? How were your other TVs messed up? You can tell where on the 70 inch it had been hit twice. You can tell on my son's TV. But I thought you looked at all the other TVs and they were fine. That was your time. They talked about the next day. No, yeah. I never said they were fine that night. We didn't look at them at night. She I did. At one TV. She said, oh. I looked at the. Okay, so you got a cracked TV, but you don't unveil all the other TVs and inspect them? You don't do that? We didn't plug. I didn't know. I did not plug up all the rest of the TV. So, okay, you're telling me, Ebony, that it's a problem when you plug it in. He's telling me that there's physical damage, okay? So you're testifying to two completely different things. I'll tell you what else has me concerned. I'm looking at your emails to him, and in your emails to him, you say to him, three of our TVs are messed up. And then you're suing for four TVs messed up. And yet, this is two or three days after the move. Four days after the move, you're saying three TVs are messed up. And then when you file the lawsuit, it's four TVs. What's going the on? Fourth, the fourth TV came about after I had even sued him because we're still in the process of unpacking. We're still in the process of plugging things But you up. understand how it sounds a little suspicious, yes, right? Yes, Do you have receipts for any of these TVs? Nope. So you have no receipts for the, what you actually paid. I don't know what the model numbers are. I don't know how much they're worth based, I can't estimate how old they are, so I can't depreciate them, which is what you're entitled to, depreciated value. You discover damage after the movers have left on everything except for the one TV. How do I know you guys didn't damage the TVs yourself, moving them around, if you didn't inspect them that day? Because that's the day that you should have, have them put it in the room that it's going to be in or on the furniture that they've just delivered or whatever else. And if you just leave them wrapped in a basement or something, how do I know you didn't drop it? And that's why it doesn't work once the movers have they gone. No, they did put them they in the room. They put them in the rooms. They just were in each room. It just, we didn't plug it up. We didn't plug them up until the next Even day after you found the first one that was bashed, you didn't plug it up. Did they ever tell you, Mr. Hardin, that the others were physically damaged? No, ma'am. It was only the one. What was it they said? No, no. They 
I know that they emailed you and texted you and it got all kinds of nasty. So at some point they told you about the others. What was it they said had happened to the others? Um, I, when I first got notification about further damages, it was like 10 o'clock in the evening when I received that text message I sent you stating that he was upset and there's three TVs. And then he stated that he asked three me Three TVs times, total. So even when, by TVs the way, total. when you're really all kinds of upset and you tell him that there's three TVs total, Mr. Donald, you still hadn't tried out that fourth TV? No, our son came in. that's from, kind of funky. You, I understand. But when my son came in from school, right. he plugged up the TV downstairs. He said, it's a blue line across my TV. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm sorry. Let me see if I've got this straight. They busted one TV. You test none of the others that day. Two days, four days later, you find out that, two, according to you, two more are, are are not working, okay? Next day. And you don't, you, you don't plug in the others? You send him, like, you know, a, a text at oh, 10 o'clock yeah, at night yeah, that's, let's read the text. Hold on, hold on. Let's read the text. This is three TVs, bro, that I'm hot about. I asked you before you touch them, do you need to get them? So you're hot and bothered, but you don't plug in the rest of the TVs to see if anything's wrong with yes, them. I it starts to sound like you're just trying to get one over on them and get them to pay for all new TVs when it looks this way. You understand how it looks, though, right? Yes, but I did plug up TV. We okay. had a 42-inch. So watching. what ends up happening, Ms. Uh, Ms. Frazier, you end up putting some reviews online, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And those reviews are the subject, Mr. Hardin, of your counterclaim against them. Talk to me about your counterclaim. Go ahead. There were a lot of reviews, uh, and there's not, you know, everyone's entitled to leave a review, but uh, there were a lot of negative things said about me, about my company, posts of broken televisions put under posts that are about donations meant to help people. Uh, I was called an evil that I'm not a blessing and all these other different things. And to be honest with you, if I felt like I was at fault, I was more than willing to be able to do whatever it took to make sure that this was right. Like this, this person Yeah, but you didn't do company. anything about the first TV. Why didn't you do anything about the first one? Well, Yana, I was, to be honest with you, I don't want to make excuses. I was dealing with a lot. I didn't communicate with her initially because after I started seeing the text message at 1030, the bro, I'm hot and, and all these, um, messages and, and uh, people were telling me I'm getting bad reviews. I had to look and see what was legally the wise thing for me to do as far as being able to communicate with them. I even reached out to uh, where she worked at and hoped that they would be able to mediate this in a peaceful way so that we could resolve this. And I kept reiterating to the person I was speaking to on the phone. I am not trying to get this individual in trouble. I'm not trying to complain. I just want to get this resolved. And she spoke to her supervisor, called me but back. But why would like you involve them? Like, in other words, you, you were you going to ask them to mediate it? Because that sounds like the last thing you would want is for them to get involved. If they're a vendor of yours, you want them to not be involved because you don't want to bring drama into the relationship that you have with them. Absolutely. But when I saw the review 
Absolutely. But, you know, when, when people are angry like that, it can be a little irrational. I didn't know how this was going to blow up. So I was trying to catch it before it turned into a blazing fire. I contacted them in hopes that they could resolve it and, and hear both of our sides of the story, being that there's a relationship between us, uh, almost to the extent of if I met someone through you and they worked for me and messed something up, I'd say, hey, well, can you reach out to this individual? They're not answering my calls or something like that. That was more of that line. It was not intended to cause any hardship or any issues with her. It was not with malicious intent. It was just really trying to, to stop this from getting into something that turned into something ugly. You're suing today for uh, four TVs because in the strange world where you live, after you see one TV broken, you don't test the others, you don't plug them in, you don't do anything. Then you discover another three, no, another two TVs that you plug in and are broken, and in that strange world that you inhabit, that doesn't propel you to physically walk to the other TVs and plug them in and notice any other damage because you want me to believe that a fourth TV also doesn't work. And this is by now, it's six days after the move and that TV doesn't work. Um, and you're suing for four TVs. Every email and, and, uh, and text that's sent and discussed between everybody talks about three TVs. And you're also suing for the cost of the moving job back. And you're also suing for mental anguish. Um, $3,149.17 in mental anguish for a total of 6000 that you want him to pay you. How do you figure for three broken old TVs that you can't prove how old they are? Or four, um, if I'm to believe that you just keep finding broken TVs everywhere. Well, the TVs, of course, we got the TVs within when we decided to move in together. That's how we got the TVs. The TVs are not that old. They're, you know, two, two and a half years old. I don't know how old um, they are. I don't have their model numbers. I don't have a receipt for them. All I have is you picking the TVs you want off the Internet. That's not proof. And by the way... If you want to claim damages against the movers, you really have to notice them when it happens and before they leave. You can't just keep coming up with more TVs by the second. You can't, okay? I am ordering the defendant to pay the plaintiff the depreciated value of $250. That's my verdict, and I gotta tell you, that's actually really generous for a used TV that's two years old. Good luck, folks. And on your counterclaim, Mr. Hardin, they, I am not 100% sure who broke those TVs. I know they didn't prove to me that you guys broke those TVs, okay? But I'm not sure you didn't break those TVs. So to find in your favor in defamation, I would have to find that they're without a doubt lying, and I'm not in a position to find that. It's frankly a mystery. Uh, uh, your Honor, there's... There's several lines. So in the answer on your counterclaim is zero. Those people just got away with murder. Mr. Harden, let me ask you. You're the defendant. What's your reaction to this case? You you had a $3,500 countersuit. You don't get anything. Zip. Well, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, it's going to go on. Life is going to go on. My business will continue on. We'll continue to help people and to move people. Uh, I hate that this happened between myself and a former client. And I, I really wish them the best. I, I just wish that more of the, you know, it, uh, the truth could have come out as well. Yeah, well, you should have had a con signed the, the contract, copies of the contract. That really hurts your case. Absolutely. Seriously. It does, and I learned a um, serious lesson. This, this lady worked for someone I had a contract with, and I, I didn't do a lot of things I should have done. That's absolutely true.
And do you think their negative comments on the Internet have really hurt your business or, or is it too early for you to tell? Well, I know it's hurt my business because of uh, people responding and whatnot. But again, um, there yeah. are a lot of positive reviews. It's the only negative review I have. So hopefully people will look at the complete story and be able to decipher what's real and what isn't. All right. All right. All right. Well, good luck to you. Uh, let me just ask you, number one, you guys got a lot of TVs. You're big TV fans. What what do you think about the judge's decision? You, you know, you didn't have any proof for her. That's why you didn't get any more. It is what it is. I'm sorry for you. I wish you'd have had more evidence to help your case. Let's see what they have to say now. Another session of After the Verdict. And so ends the Tennessee TV massacre. <laughs> okay? And you have sorted it out. And it sounds like both I don't know that happy. I've sorted anything well, out. but I... Well, you've got plaintiffs who are unhappy. You've got a defendant who's unhappy. But I have to say... The defendant came to court without the contract. I didn't didn't have if somebody had told me I need the contract. I mean, that's right. just, you know, it's ridiculous. Litigants who come into court with their ducks in a row, with their evidence squared away or their defenses squared away, we call them winners a yeah. lot of the time because yeah. they, they're very persuasive on all that evidence. What did you think about uh, TV after TV all of a sudden? You're right. During a move, you can damage a TV a lot of different ways. Uh, just moving it from room A to room B or, or setting it up to plug it in, etc. You know, they say, look, we had to plug them in to find the damage. But Why wouldn't they just plug them in and find the damage? A, a failure of proof, really, on behalf of the plaintiffs. I think they're lucky they got the 250. So Mary wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. Uh, each state sets a maximum amount that can be sued for in small claims court. Are there minimum amounts? And the answer to that is no. Um, we have had cases in the people's court for under a buck because sometimes they're not suing for money, they're suing for principle. And that will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case on the way into the courtroom right now. These are the plaintiffs, Thomas O'Rourke and Josephine Peng. Thomas says they paid the defendant money for their wedding venue, and they had to cancel due to the pandemic, and now she won't refund them. The whole darn country was shut down, and this thief can't be allowed to get away with stealing their $2,700. That's why they're suing. This is the defendant, Gail Thackray. She says she's happy to have the plaintiffs reschedule, just like most people who planned on having a wedding did in 2020. It's not her fault they didn't get married, so why should she have to pay? She's accused of bumming out a bride. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs are suing the defendant because she won't give them a refund on a ranch they rented for their wedding, but the defendant says they canceled the wedding and are free to reschedule any time. It's the case of bumming out a bride. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right, uh, Mr. O'Rourke and Ms. Peng, you are suing the defendant's uh, business, Indian Springs Ranch, Represented here by Ms. Thackeray, you're the owner? Yes, I am. Okay. For your deposit back of $2,700 because you, like so many countless individuals, had planned your nuptials during the time the world had something else coming. So talk to me. Tell me what happened. Well, um, so yeah, we had planned a wedding to celebrate with all our family. We got engaged um, in September of 2019. And... We wanted to plan a wedding fairly quickly, partially, well, actually mostly because I wanted my grandmother to be there at the wedding and she's 
was 98 years old. Um, so we, we found Gail's Ranch on Pier Space. Um, we wanted to have a, a big enough venue for all of our friends and family um, from Michigan, from Canada, from New York, from Washington, D.C., from San Francisco. So we had a lot of people coming the in. The wedding was, how many people were going to come to the wedding? It was supposed to be 150 max. 150, okay. So go on. So yeah, we had a very tight budget um, and of 10,000, actually. So we found Gail's Ranch on PeerSpace. And Tommy and her had communicated through PeerSpace, and she encouraged us to, both because she was willing to give us a better price if we paid in full. So we, we did. We paid the full $2,700. Um, and then as we got closer to Is the event... It, was, that the, was that the full price of the venue? Like that was yeah, everything so that wasn't just a deposit? Yeah, so honestly, it, uh, calling it a deposit is kind of misleading when in actuality the 2700 was the entire amount. And we're realizing right. now that we've looked back okay. on the emails that there's a lot of words put in our mouths, which we did not, <laughs> not intend to speak. Meaning, you, meaning you, you got sucked in and called it a deposit too? But All right, but in any event, that's the money that went from you to them in order to have the wedding. And then, of course... Come March 19th, the state of California shut down the uh, possibility of having a 150-person wedding, correct? You guys went into lockdown, as it were, on the 19th. Your wedding was supposed to be on what day? April 4th. My, my anniversary is April 3rd. So oh, what no. did you guys do? Did you get married or did you not get married? We did end up getting married because our officiant was only ordained for that one day. And we ended up driving out to this old, like, tsunami evacuation road in Malibu. And we drove out with just the two of us and our officiant. And we were out, like, in the middle of nowhere. And it was just us. And it was it ended up being, like, I don't think we could have planned something that. Yeah, it was it really was, lovely. It was really sweet. I mean, we That's would, lovely. would have That's liked lovely. You should have brought grandma, but that was lovely. And <laughs> is your grandmother still with us, honey? Miss Peng, is your grandmother still with us? No, she no. she passed I'm on sorry April twenty eighth. So, so you were it not for COVID, you would have made it. All right. So, Ms. Thackeray, what kind of venue is this? Do you have pictures of the venue? Well, I didn't come prepared with pictures, but it's um, it's a ranch. It's all outdoors, and um, so it was actually originally my home and we did some weddings and then my home actually burned down. And so we created more of a wedding space and we've been doing quite a lot of weddings. And so um, back in about November of 2019, Tommy came to me, looked around and uh, was on a tight budget, also wanted some things fixing up on the ranch and we were just fixing up to do better weddings. And so I made a deal with him that I'd give him half price. I mean, our normal price for a day is still pretty inexpensive, but we charge five or $6,000 for a day. And they rent the ranch and then they do their own wedding. So they have to, you know, bring in the catering or do all those things. And so um, I agreed that if he paid in full and it was non-refundable, that I would give them a really good deal of 2,700. We did fix up all the things he asked. We got ready for the wedding. And then in late February, early March, Tommy uh, was in communication with my assistant, Cindy. 
and um, said, you know, with the COVID, we're, we're having problems with our relatives being able to travel, being able to get in. We're not sure if what we're going to do about the wedding at this point. It was kind of up in the air. Um, as a lot of other brides were having problems with family being able to come in. So they said we may have to cancel. Um, March 12th, um, Tommy wrote me an email saying, yes, it looks like we're definitely going to cancel. And at that point, I looked at the contract. It did say that it was non-refundable. But I thought the fair thing to do was to offer him a partial refund, even though I thought that the contract was quite clear that it said the 2700 because it was such a good deal, was a non-refundable deal. So March 12th, Let's talk about that. Offer... Let's talk about the contract. Hold on one second. What, what town is the ranch in? It's in Silmar, California. Okay, so I have it here on the web. Uh, so this is the view. It's very pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I can see what I should there. point out is, and I did mention this to, uh, to Tommy, we do actually have a licensed registered church at that same property. And so, firstly, because we rent the ranch and they do their wedding, we didn't have to actually cancel anybody. People would cancel what do you on mean? us because they were having problems. Well, right now, Wait, no, we're if I rent your, no, I understand what you're saying that you you're still giving them a ranch. But let's look at your contract. Hold on one moment. And I want to see, um, does your contract mention how many people? Yeah, you see, you should yes. take out of your contract that clause. Uh, well, hopefully there's never another pandemic in our lifetimes, but you've got a clause that says number of guests, the rental fee is based on the maximum number of persons entering the property. What you're saying now is a beautiful thing. Hey, they just rent the ranch. That's how your contract should read if you're not providing anything else. But unfortunately for you, it doesn't read that way. You have a contract where she's allowed to have a 150 person wedding and she can't. It's not your fault that she can't. I understand your position, but you know who else's fault it's not? Their fault. It's also not their fault. So what have we got? We've got your contract that specifically says it's 150 people and nothing about force majeure or anything like that. Says the deposit is non-refundable. Section 11 says it's the renter's responsibility to find out if the property no, is... No, but there's no problem with that. That's not the issue we have. We don't have... A, if she needs a permit, she's supposed to get a permit for whatever it is she's trying to do there, but that's not our issue. Our issue is a very simple one. There's a contract. A contract is a meeting of the minds. Each side gives up something. You give up the use of the ranch that day for a 150-person wedding. They give up $2,700. You sign the contract. They did their part, they gave you the $2,700, but you were not able to do your part. Okay, well, one that of the is thing, not their breach. We do actually also have a registered church at that property. Now, my this is the first time I've ever heard of this, by but the I, way. I do, but I no, don't know I why that's coming up. Why does the church come up? Why does that have anything to do with anything? Right now, you are allowed to have up to 200 people in an outdoor church wedding. April 4th, you couldn't do that. The issue is okay. April 4th on their wedding day. So, no, that's, that's, not, um, that's not going to change the outcome here. These cases are horrible. I have so many of these cases now. 
And they're not, it's not like they all go one way. Every case is very fact specific. It's based on the contract that I'm looking at. Some people actually put in there the word pandemic. I don't know why, we haven't had a pandemic since the Spanish flu. It's crazy. But, and then some people put in force majeure and they write it, force majeure is a concept of the law, which means that through, through some act of God, through some, something that can't be controlled, but they write it in a way that it could possibly cover the pandemic. And I hope that you were able to reschedule most of your events. Were you able to reschedule most of them? Well, actually all of them, some of them they've already good, had their weddings, good. but everybody put off six months or a year, and that seemed to be kind of the standard in the industry. Right, and that, and and it's not, no, that's not, there's no such thing as a standard in the industry in this concept. This is a contracts case, so it's either you can provide what you contracted to do, which is a 150-person wedding on April 4th, or you cannot, so you're going to lose this case. But I am very happy that most of your of your folks decided to go ahead and have the wedding anyway and reschedule so that you didn't find yourself, you know, having to return a bunch of payments. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. No matter what, you're still out because those are dates you could have given to another wedding and made more money. So I, I get it, believe me, I get it. Um, but in this case, on these specific facts, these folks are entitled to their money back. And I am ordering you to repay the $2,700 verdict for the plaintiffs. Ms. Thackeray, are you surprised at this decision? Um, I am kind of surprised because, you know, the whole country has been shut down and that it would go more of what the standard is of the country. But, you know, I mean, I, I am glad that they're actually getting something. I mean, I feel bad that their wedding got ruined. And, uh, you know, so I, I am glad that they are actually walking away today um, and feeling good about it because, you know, in the scheme of things, people's weddings being put off is really kind of small compared to what we're all had to deal with with COVID. So um, I'm, I'm okay with that, with the outcome. Well, you're very generous indeed. Good for you. What a delightful way to feel. <laughs> All right. Well, let me talk to uh, talk to the plaintiffs now. You, you mentioned you ruined their wedding. Obviously, it sounded to me like you had a pretty nice wedding on the beach in Malibu. Is that where you were? <laughs> well, not quite the beach, but yeah, we drove out on this old tsunami evacuation road. So it was kind of like buried deep in the hills somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it was actually quite nice. Well, good for you. All right. Well, congratulations. I hope married life works out for you really well. Congratulations. <laughs> Me too. We'll Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm sure you do. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Let's see what the judges have to say now. What lovely people, all of them. A cute couple. They, they're an adorable couple, and Miss Thackeray couldn't have been nicer. She I mean, she, you know, she couldn't have been nicer, bending over backwards, trying to accommodate different dates. Right. But not everybody has to pick a different date. You're not forced right. to pick a different date. And, you know? and, and a wedding is not the kind of thing you can just, with the flick of your hand, say, hey, yeah, we'll, put it, we'll put it off for six months, or we'll put it off for a year. See, that's what I would do. we got to take back our lives from this this ridiculous I I got, year. I gotta tell you though, I feel a special kinship with Tom here because he also put his wedding on the weekend of the final four in NCAA <laughs> men's basketball. So I'm sure he gets a lot of heat from his friends about that. Every guy at our wedding had a little radio with a right. wire going into their ear. They looked right. like FBI agents that were actually listening right. to the final four. Something. That was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> So Ray wants to know this. Hey Harvey, 
Is it a criminal act to commit perjury in a civil case? The answer is yes. That anybody who lies under oath commits a crime of perjury. Now, there is a lot of perjury in a lot of courtrooms, and they're not going to prosecute all of them because they'd be prosecuting half the people. So the egregious ones usually are the ones that get prosecuted. We'll see you next time.